Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Medics Minded Podcast. Thank you very much for coming by. I hope you're doing well on this beautiful day. Uh, Temperature-wise, I understand that a lot of people don't like the overcast. I have said it numerous times. I'm more of a rain person, so the overcast is doing me just fine. Uh, and it's warm weather, so I will be outside soon enough. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a short podcast just because I do want to get outside and uh, enjoy some of the weather. Uh, so I'm going to do that. Um, but I, I wrote a piece last night uh, amidst getting some rather distressing news. Um, there's uh, anyone who's ever served in any capacity, whether it's military or first responder, uh, you know, or, you know, in corrections, you know, thing, things of that nature. There's a there's a bond that is hard to explain to to somebody on the outside looking in. Um, but it's there. It's a very real thing. You know, we've seen uh, the aggrandizement in movies and TV shows like Band of Brothers, where they chronicled uh, the bond of brotherhood within the backdrop of World War II. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a very real thing. Yes, it's, yes, it's a show. Yes, it's designed to educate and entertain. But it's a real thing. It's a, it's a true aspect uh, of, uh, of service. And uh, the news I received was, was about a brother, somebody that I served with, somebody that I worked with, worked alongside, somebody that I've seen some terrible things with. Somebody that I've literally fought death with. And uh, hearing the news um, of how bad things have gotten for him and how bad things are currently for him, uh, it was tough. It was hard for me to swallow because instinctively you just want to go and save that person. You want to run out and help them. And I spoke a few podcasts ago about a lesson I learned when I was in the military when we were doing our pre-deployment training and uh, they had simulated one of our guys going down, one of my friends, one of my brothers, and uh, I had a couple of instructors yelling at me to go out and get him, and then a few other instructors yelling at me not to, a stressed situation, and I, I did, I, I, I lunged out to run and go get him, and uh, you know, the, the lesson of that was that if, if your scene is not safe, if you haven't won the firefighter, or if you haven't secured your scene safety, and you put yourself at risk, you're of no help to anybody. You just become a liability. There's a reason that on airplanes, when the oxygen masks come down or they tell you at the beginning of your flight that you are to secure your own mask first. Uh, sorry about that. That's my computer going off. Uh, there is a reason that that is, uh, that that is, you know, told to us. And, uh, it's, it, it, it rings true. It's very true. Um, because if you if you are not secure yourself, if you're not safe yourself, if you're not healthy yourself, you're of no use to anybody, whether you love them or not. So this is sort of another lesson in that because instinctively, yeah, I want to run out and get him. Um, I want to help him. And the help he's requesting is not the help that he really needs. And it's not even help at all, really. It's uh, enablement. And I, I touch on that in the podcast and, uh, I've in this podcast, it's a bit different, um, because I wrote it so quickly, uh, but it's, it's pretty raw because it's how I felt. Uh, I guess my, my blog at times becomes a bit of a journal, uh, but it's sort of an open book journal, uh, revealing myself to, to parts of the world. And, uh, to me that helps me in my journey and my, uh, growth within this and, um, 
And I can really empathize with what he's going through because I will not deduce the reasons why he's struggling uh, because they're not mine to deduce. I, I can only speculate and speculation doesn't do anybody any good. So I don't know why he's struggling. I don't know what he's struggling with, but I relate to how he's struggling, uh, specifically as it relates to alcohol. Um, I, I can very much relate to the consumption, the usage, and the desire to use. Uh, a quick anecdotal. So, you know, a lot of times when addicts uh, are in their deep addictive state and they, uh, they become selfish and sometimes manipulative and lie in order to uh, achieve what they need to achieve with relation to that addiction, to satiate that addiction. Uh, I was fortunate in the fact that I, I never had to lie in order to satiate my addiction. Uh, I had friends and um, there was a time when uh, I had zero money in my account, uh, quite literally zero. I didn't know how rent was getting paid. I hadn't eaten really. Uh, I had some Ichiban noodles because I had some change and I went and bought Ichiban. That's, I bought Ichiban noodles because I had change. This is before I started really seeking help and getting uh, uh, looked after through Veterans Affairs Canada. Um, I, uh, I started, uh, just kind of, my money was blown on booze and, uh, and not food. You know, I, I like I said, I used the, the change in my pockets to buy itchy band noodles. And that's what I was eating, uh, for a while. And, uh, and, and one day I woke up and I, you know, I wasn't hungry, but I was anathematized by post-traumatic stress symptoms, you know, smells, tastes, uh, you know, audible or, you know, hallucinations, hearing the screams, wails, things of that nature. And I was sleeping like crap because, uh, you know, I was having nightmares. And so I, I reached out to a friend and said, Hey, uh, I really just want to go get drunk. Can I have 200 bucks? And I never told him how bad the situation was. I never told him that I hadn't paid rent. I never told him that I was eating itchy bad. I never told him any of that. I would have, uh, had they asked, um, but it wasn't their place to ask. You know, here's here's a guy that's just saying, hey, can I, I'm a little strapped for cash. Can I have some cash? And of course, this friend, being as stellar as they are, uh, willfully granted me that uh, that money. And, uh, you know, he, he did it out of the kindness of his heart. He didn't do it because he knew that I had an alcohol problem. He didn't. Uh, because we, we become good at hiding it. The thing about, uh, for me, and, and I heard this when I was in rehab, and they say, I wasn't bad at drinking. I was really good at it. And that's the problem. And, uh, and it's true. I was really good at drinking. Uh, in fact, I would hear, uh, it was spoken as a compliment from bartenders, but they say, we can never tell when you're drunk, but your bill is always insane. So you have to be drunk, but you're no different than when you walk in here. And that is not a good thing. Uh, I don't wear that as a button of pride. I'm saying that as context um, for this somber situation that my brother finds himself in. And I wish there was something I could do, but there's not. Uh, at least not in the way in which in which he's wishing I could help. Uh, money is not the answer. I I want to help. I don't want to enable. And I, I touch on that in the in the podcast read. So I'm going to read that for you. Um, and uh, it's something that I wrote yesterday, uh, kind of in a in a hurry, in a in a quick scribble. Uh, so you know, go easy on me, I guess. Um, 
And yeah, anyway, I'm going to read it for you now. It's called Brother, I Got You. Brother, I Got You. And it's coming up next. There is a noise that clamors within the mind of a troubled man. For me, that noise is memory. The recall of the sick, dying, and dead. Remembering all those I once served alongside, and those who died doing what they love. Flags and caskets are now forever linked by a sullen kinship when looked upon through my eyes. It would be easy to wish for a different outcome, tempting even, but hear me now. I would change none of it, not a fucking thing, because to do so would be selfish, and selfish is something I do not ever wish to be in this life. Today I am conflicted. I sit before you a man riddled in thought. Heavy is the crown of introspection. Heavier is the bond of brotherhood. In the waning hours of daylight, I received a phone call from a desperate soul, a man I shall not name out of respect of who he is to me, a brother, a warrior, and a healer. Our bond was forged in the fires of life and death. We have both stood on the line and locked eyes with the reaper on more than one occasion. There were nights where we sat on the outskirts of a round table and drank the numbing ale in absolute silence with one another, drinking the problems of the world away, alone together. The voice on the other end of the line sounded nothing like the man I once stood beside. The voice that invaded its way through the plastic of our phones was of a despondent man, a man torn and mortally wounded. To the naked eye, there are no wounds, but through the eyes of my ears, I could see that he was bleeding. I asked him what was going on. I asked for details and offered my assistance without thinking twice. I sat back and listened as his story fell apart word after word as it spilled from his mouth. It soon became evident. My friend, my wounded brother, was still drunk. He was drunk and in a foreign land. He explained that he had been removed from his flight due to no fault of his own, of course. He then went on to request for unknown sums of money. His voice was shaking and empty of sincerity. He was sincere in that he wanted money but he was dishonest with himself and subsequently those around him as to the reasons why. My friend has been bitten by the snake of fables. He sees the liquid as respite, just as I once did. He is unaware that it is venom he consumes. And each time he does, he steps closer to the ones we once lost. Instinctively, I assured him that I would look into getting him some cash. I knew that he was in a bad way and money was not the answer. But you have to understand... I would fucking die for this man. Now, I don't mean to say that out of cliché of shared uniform. I'm serious. I would lay my life down so that he may draw one more breath. There is a closeness formed by those who navigate adversity and horror together. Genetics and last names mean nothing when speaking of this bond. We have held the hands of the dying. We have watched human bodies burn. Stabbing victims, car crash survivors, and amputees have all fallen through our fingertips. We understand each other on a very primal level. I knew almost immediately that I should not send him money. I had done so in the past and felt an instant regret upon realizing that I was not helping, but enabling. As such, I closed the banking app of my phone and refused to press send. I would reach out to his girlfriend, someone I do not know, and I would explain the somber colloquial exchange. She was all too familiar with my version of events. She explained what had happened. 
the missing parts from my brother's story. It was worse than I had envisioned. My friend, my brother, was not inching closer to those dead and gone. He was running towards them. He has been hospitalized for his dependence of the lying liquid. He has urinated himself in public, been arrested and fought against the police. He has been beaten, tossed from venues, and now stranded himself in a country not his own. Ask me if I feel selfish for not helping a man I would die for. The proper authorities have been made aware of this troubling situation about our rusting hero. I'd like to think that he'll be taken care of, but he has in the past told me of his wishes to end everything, and tonight, over the phone, he spoke through defeated oration. I can't. I can't, Matt. And the worst part is, neither can I. But we're saying two very different things. I was once good at helping people. My hands held a skill beyond that of the ordinary. My mind has outwitted the Reaper in more than one contest. I have restarted the human heart. Now, now I barely feed myself. I feel as though I am letting my brother down. Parts of me feel as though I am failing him. But there is also a more reasonable side of me that understands that there is not much I can do to fix someone who chooses to remain broken. I do not judge him. Christ, I was him. I still am, in many ways. I do feel bad for him. My heart beats with a bruise on this night. Both of our uniforms hang in the shadows of a dusty closet. They have seen many of the same things. We now feel a lot of the same burdens. Back then, we know what to do. We saved people. We lifted those who could not stand. We carried those whom could not walk. And we leaned on one another when the storms rolled in. Now, miles apart, I see my friend, my brother, my partner, cemented in pain. Neither my hands or mind can help him. And my money damn sure can't. Sometimes it feels as though we never really beat the Reaper. He simply retreated tactfully so as to deliver lethal blows whilst hidden within the chasms of our minds years later. Revenge for removing his grip on those he wished to take once upon a time. At the time, it felt like a fairy tale. Now, it feels like a fucking tragedy. I have lost many friends in the line of duty, and many in the suicide that hunts for us afterwards. I fear for my brother. I don't wish to have been able to do anything differently, but I do wish that I could take his pain away. And there's no amount of money that can do that. Brother, I love you. We've done some good things, you and I. Saved those that were beyond saving. Comforted those that were beyond comforting. Eased the suffering of those afflicted. Brother, right now you are suffering. And that's okay. It's all right to not be okay. Just come home. Come back to us. Come home. I got your six.